Man, sometimes I think we struggle with um, a lot of things in the spiritual realm that can take us by surprise. But very often as believers, the things you struggle with are tied to the things you're gifted with. And today we have a fabulous story, a young woman named Michaela Johnson. You are going to want to listen. Welcome to the Jada Edwards podcast. Welcome to season four of the Jada Edwards podcast. As always, God is giving us his word to share personal stories, and great conversations you are going to want to hear. All right, Michaela. Hello. I'm so glad to have you. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Girl, I'm having a whole undie moment because you have been at our church since you were a babe. Yes. <laughs> like 10, 11, 12, somewhere in there. And since so, y'all started the church, really. Yes. And now you're a whole adult. 26. Girl. <laughs> With a story and yeah. a podcast that we're going to talk about later. Yeah. But man, it's so exciting. I'm so glad you're here. I really yes. am glad. And so uh, I'm looking forward to to getting into your story. So, mm-hmm. you know, the first question I ask people is, how would you describe your life in one word? I would describe my life in one word as crisis. And I Ooh. say that because a crisis is uncontrolled change, unexpected change, where it leads you to make a decision. Are you going to recover mm-hmm. or are you going to die? Are you going to get back up or are you going to quit? And that's something that I've always had to make a decision towards, mm-hmm. which my crisis led me to Christ. My yeah. crisis brought me opportunity. And so that's why I would describe. That's a good word, girl. Crisis. That's not like a, a ministry name or something. <laughs> crisis. I love it. I love it. Okay. So, wow. So I think we already kind of know the theme of what we're about to be hearing in yeah. your story. But what are like those major mile markers when you think about here, here's my first significant experience, good or bad, and, and kind of bringing us up to today? What were those moments? But I'm sure it had to be marked by some level of crisis as well, yes. too. So. so I dealt with crisis my whole entire life, really, like from the start mm-hmm. of my life. And through college, there was rape, there was getting abused and attacked Mm. different ways to where that led me to walk away from God. Mm -hmm. And I walked away because people were coming up to me saying things like stuff in the Bible wasn't real, but I didn't know scripture to fight back. Mm. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to just hold on to the little bit I got in my head and just walk away. And whatever I won't know, don't know, won't harm me. Yeah. And that led me to meeting people that, were filled with demons. And I say this because I met someone that specifically told me, I feel like I have a demon inside of me, mm-hmm. but I just ignored it. That didn't, and I didn't, that didn't make you go, wait, <laughs> hold on. We might not be a good fit. Yeah, but to me, I was like, you tripping. Yeah, like, because, you, you know, really people in college would say, like, demon time or yeah. whatever. So I was just like, you're just having a saying to me right now. Yeah. Hold on. Before you get into that, I want to go back a little bit because you, you spoke kind of casually about rape and assault and attacks is that because you have just dealt with your story and you see how how god has done that and you're on healing from that or do you because when you're going through that that was that had to be significant no that was significant because you were young and in college yeah do you think that even though even though you have a different perspective now what was that what was that experience when you were dealing with all that attack like where were you spiritually family like what was going on did any of it make sense were you like oh this is because family i was detached spiritually i had no idea what was mm-hmm. going on so i didn't know i was under spiritual warfare my entire life i had no idea it just it just like life sucked <laughs> like things kept happening yeah. to make me shut my mouth and to keep my mouth closed to where i wouldn't speak up 
to where it kept me like hidden in a box where I was just filled with anger and emotion and mm-hmm. I didn't know how to handle that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, now I'm healed from it. So yeah. I talk about it. I don't minimize it, yeah. but it's like what I dealt with after that was like so much harder yeah. that yeah. I'm just grateful that I made yeah. it through. At the no, end of the day. that's good. I think, yeah. man, that's encouraging just alone. I want to get back to this, this man who, I don't know what the demons we want to hear that, but <laughs> I think that's, significant for people to know that deep pain can happen in your life and God and his healing and his faithfulness eventually it becomes a part of your story it doesn't have to re-traumatize you every time you Mm -hmm. talk about it like that's huge because a lot of times we get in that cycle and every time we go back to that thing it's like happening all over again it doesn't have to be that way and so that's why I mentioned that but okay let's get back to brother who Mm. (laughs) you were like I don't take it seriously this is this is nothing against him we are not at war against flesh and blood so okay uh but he told me he felt like he had a demon inside of him fast forward a lot of trials went on in my house and like at that point I was sinning I was having sex and I guess you could say shacking Mm -hmm. but he didn't live there but he was always there Mm -hmm. like every day for months so Mm -hmm. basically living there yeah basically Mm -hmm. and there was an evening where the demon actually came out of him and attacked me and I immediately became paralyzed like I saw it physically in the moment I couldn't see Mm -hmm. anything he saw it Um. and I know that he saw it because when I was on the floor and I couldn't move I could see and I could hear Mm -hmm. and I could hear him call his mom saying mom the demon's about to trying to get her Mm -hmm. like what do I do so his mom starts praying in tongues I had never heard of that before Mm -hmm. and so I'm laying there like that's all I can hear and then all of a sudden my the Holy Spirit inside me, which at the time I didn't know, mm-hmm. my mind just started saying Jesus, Jesus, because I couldn't speak. Mm-hmm. So my mind just kept saying Jesus, Jesus, and then I was able to move again. Really? Yeah. Oh my Lord. I was able to move again. And this is not something I had ever heard about. I never knew about. Mm-hmm. I didn't think demons were real, like I was saying, and I never heard a story like this. And I was so far gone from friends, from family. I didn't mm-hmm. know who to talk to after, so I was really scared. And that evening I called my Mima, my grandma, mm-hmm. and I was just crying. I was like, can you just pray, say something? I don't mm-hmm. know. So she stayed up. It was like 3 in the morning. She stayed up for hours just reading the Bible to me because I couldn't even close my eyes. Wow. Did you feel like at that point you were saved or had you not yet? Do you feel like I was saved? I had accepted Jesus. I just was living foul. Or you hadn't accepted Jesus yet? Was I was like, saved. You, okay. And I so you knew Jesus. enough. You yeah. I knew enough right. to know like something's going on. Yeah. But because I was spoken about the book of Revelation so much when I was younger, I was so terrified that mm. I was like, I don't even want to worry about it. Yeah. And but that really led me to walking away. Mm-hmm. And so after my Mima like read the word to me for a while, I was like, okay, I guess I'll start to pray. And I'm like, God, I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And that's really what led me to start initiating contact with him and have a relationship. Mm-hmm. But a few weeks later, I got a job in Boston. I got hired. I had had no job for a while because I had just had a pinched nerve, which mm-hmm. led me not to move my left arm. It was just so many oh things happening. And the next day, I got a black eye and I was suffocated. And after you got the job, the next day. Okay, this is the same attack or the same same person. Got okay, same person. 
and I was confused and I was going through emotional domestic abuse, mm-hmm. I would say. So I didn't have feel like I could leave. Right. I didn't feel like I could yeah. call anybody. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, so I stayed and I got the job the next day. I mm-hmm. had another attack where I had the black eye and mm-hmm. I was suffocated. And while I was being suffocated, he basically said he wasn't going to let go. So I said, okay, guess I'm letting go. Mm-hmm. In my mind, I'm like mentally not there. Mm-hmm. And I just closed my eyes and I said, all right, I'm about to die. And then all of a sudden it was like he snapped out of it. Like he was a whole new person. It was like, I don't even know how to explain the like shock that I saw on his face. Like it was as if it was not him. Yeah. Like, the demon yeah. was like controlling yeah. him, trying to kill me. Yeah, yeah. Like, and there's a there's a fine not, not a fine line, but sometimes that that can show up in a lot of different ways. And you know, the the demonic activity for non-believers usually um, is exaggerating what they already struggle with, or some pain is already in them. So if he struggled with anger, then that demonic activity is like, oh, we're gonna play out this anger at mm-hmm. deeper and deeper levels. You know domestic violence is going to show up in those similar areas mm-hmm. because you know there's there's a thing that that a person can struggle with and, it, and even when you struggle with it and it's not demon possession it's still darkness it's still the influence yeah. of the devil some people are so vulnerable to that darkness that it becomes possessive you know mm-hmm. like um any non-believer even believers can be influenced by darkness because mm-hmm. we do stupid stuff we, we see all the time but the possession really requires a level of vulnerability that a person whatever happened in his past that pain that anger whatever something left him very open to to actually be a carrier of of mm-hmm. a demon and so man that sometimes it shows up and we just think oh this person's really angry well there are people that are angry and then there's other people who are possessed by darkness and oh this person's just really whatever and man it takes only a spiritual discernment can make you be like mm, this is beyond we need to talk it out mm-hmm. like there's something heavier did you when did you feel like that spiritual discernment was overweighed your whatever pain you had that made you say I can stay you see what I'm saying because I, there has to be two kinds of pain his pain is making him angry and mm-hmm. violent and your pain is making you say I'll just deal with it it was more so like I didn't have any discernment at that time like how? I didn't so what in the world how like did you I was get so like I was so blinded like I was so blinded that I didn't leave I just was like okay well I have nothing anymore and I'm just gonna. I'm, I'm just, just gonna ready stay to go. And deal with it and die. Just, yeah, I was just ready to go. <sighs> and I remember, actually, after getting the black eye, like so many women who deal with abuse tend to go back to the mm-hmm. person. Mm-hmm. So the next day, I actually met back up with him at a park, and we had a conversation. And he was trying to come to Boston with me. Still, even though I'm sitting there, my mm-hmm. eye is black. I look terrible, and. I remember saying, you know what, I'm just ready to die. Like, and he's like, well, I'm not gonna let you die alone. Like, let's die together. So I get in the car and he's like, how do you wanna do this? I said, I don't know, let's just go somewhere and just drive really fast. So he, I get in the car, he starts driving. That was, this was the first time I ever felt the Holy Spirit, like actually, and it like, like hit me so hard to yell stop and get out the car. Cause and y'all was, were ready to end y'all's lives. Yeah, we were about. I was about to go. I was about to go. So what was that moment like? You heard it in your head. You feel like like the Lord is like, girl. I heard it in my head. I felt it in my body. Everything, 
And for me to have like such a strong like want to leave this earth, mm -hmm. I knew that wasn't me. Yeah. I was ready. I was like, why? Why did I just yell this? Yeah. Oh, you yelled it out loud after you heard yeah, it. Yeah, I was head. like, I was like, listen, let me tell you something. Why this story is so powerful? Because, you know, I know you've seen it because now the Lord has opened you up to that. But this darkness, this spirit of suicide, this spirit, man, the enemy <laughs> is trying to make folks think that their lives are not valuable. Mm -hmm. And so the amount of suicide we're seeing, I'm talking about even from people who's who seem like their life is perfect, celebrities and well-known yeah. people. I, I think it's really important and it's a powerful truth for people to understand that nothing makes a person want to live except God. Like you can't tell somebody your mom is going to miss you or your kids need you. Mm -hmm. That that probably makes it even heavier for them. Like you, a person can't make another person want to live. Right. An opportunity, you had a job waiting on you. Nothing can make another person want to live. It mm -hmm. is the Holy Spirit that comes in and says, I value your life. Right. You you cannot do this. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, the gospel is the only answer for people dealing with that. And so... If you have wrestled with that, or if you know people that are wrestling with that, pray. You you got to pray for Holy Spirit intervention. You cannot guilt a person into staying on earth. You cannot make them think that people need you. You can't try to give them some fake hope or some shallow positivity. It's the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it is the Holy Spirit alone that speaks to us and says, I I created you, and I I have not decided that it's your time, mm -hmm. your life needs to end right now, to stay here. That's just powerful. These personal encounters that we can have with God, mm -hmm. even when we don't want it, <laughs> like want very it. content to run the <laughs> other direction. He's like, no, yeah, no. And so the prayer for that is that as we wrestle with darkness and suicide and all those things that can overwhelm us, that we're opening our ears to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Cause he is saying something, mm -hmm. um, but we just need to listen and right. say, he's the one that gives us value, right. man. That that's, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, so course. the Holy Spirit, you have this whole moment. Yeah. You say, stop. Y'all get out of the car. What happens next? I get I get in my car. <laughs> right. And I call my, well, my mom's now husband. I said, hey, this just happened. I didn't know what else to do. He said, you need to come home right now. So went home, back to Dallas here. Mm -hmm. Got a U-Haul. Drove back to Houston the next day. Packed up all my stuff in a span of four hours because I was terrified. Uh, he actually happened to be in my house when I pulled up and like threatened to shoot up the house with my family oh, in it. Gosh. It was like a whole thing. Yeah. But to anyone going through that, like it really does get better. Yeah. And you have to fight through that turbulence in the beginning mm -hmm. to reach the the destination yeah. and the happiness. And so after that, I moved to Boston maybe about a week and a half later. And so my first mile marker is demonic attack. My second one is mindset. This is mm. when my mindset changed. And I thank Pastor Conway because my mom told him about what happened to me. Mm -hmm. And so we had a conversation. He was like, well, you don't have anyone there. Mm -hmm. So you need to be connected. Yeah. And so we set up like conversations every two weeks where he mm. would check in on me. Mm -hmm. And that really helped me like mm -hmm. a lot. Yeah. Because I didn't have anyone else. No one under. I felt like no one understood what was going on with right. me. Right. Yeah. And, and isolation is like the enemy is like, okay. And I was you? in ice. I was by myself yeah. across the country. Yeah. And I got this new job. I was making so much money. I just kept spending it because I didn't care about my life. I was like, whatever. I don't care. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to spend it. 
ended up like I'm thankful for where I lived, but I spent so much money on an apartment. Like it was just not the smartest yeah. decision. Uh, but my mindset needed to change. I, I couldn't get out of bed. I had a dog, which thankfully, mm-hmm. uh, there were n- nights and days I couldn't get up and take him outside and he would just lay next to me and be like, it's okay. Mm-hmm. And I know like people, some people don't like dogs in their yeah. bed, but it's fine. That's legit emotional support animal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Some of y'all walking around here with these animals, they not doing that. Yeah. That's legit. <laughs> no, for real. And I would have to wake up, put my hand on my heart and say, okay, I'm safe. You're I'm alive. okay. Yeah. I'm alive. And randomly my Bible popped up. I don't know. I don't even know how it got there. And I was like, all right, well, since it's here, I guess I'll just open it up. And I opened it and it led me to a passage in Psalms. I don't know the exact verse, mm. but it was about not seeking revenge. So your heart doesn't harden mm. because that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. I had all back. the proof. I had yeah. all the proof. I had all of the things that I could do to ruin his life. Uh, but I didn't. Mm. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to just do my best. I'll just be 1% better than I was the day before. And that's really what got me going is really changing that mindset and having the belief that one day mm-hmm. it will get better and that this won't yeah. last long. Yeah. Whatever I'm feeling right now won't last long. Yeah. And over time, I started to get better and better. Uh, but then I started seeking other things to try to fill the void at mm-hmm. the same time. And there was a point when I moved from Boston, then I moved to Seattle, and there was a point where God was like, <clears throat> and there was a point where God was like, it's time for you to come back. And I was really terrified to come back because I thought I would look like I was a failure because mm-hmm. I left and I was yeah. a nurse. Well, I still am a nurse. Mm-hmm. But I was doing nursing and I was like, if I come back to Dallas, people are going to think like I just failed. Mm-hmm. And God wouldn't let, let up on me. And I finally surrendered. And I was like, okay, whatever you need me to do. So I packed up my car. And I just drove. I didn't even have a place to live when I left Seattle. And I drove out here with my dog on my car packed. And by the time I got here, I had a place to stay. They didn't check for proof of income because I didn't have a job. Mm. And they didn't ask me. Um, what was I going to say? Proof of income. Did they ask about Oh, yeah, yeah. So they didn't ask for proof of income because I didn't have a job. And then they paid the for Lord. the first month's rent. <laughs> They free. paid for it. Well, it was free. Oh, girl, you, that's the Lord. <laughs> so first month was free. <laughs> so I was good and he took care of me. So that's the second mile marker is surrendering. Mm-hmm. Or second is mindset. Third, surrendering. Mm-hmm. And the fourth one is really looking at him like a father. Mm. Like depending on him, knowing Oof. that that's a theme. It's taken <laughs> care of. Yeah. Having faith, believing that what he says is. Yeah. Like really. What was that? Did you were you aware though that you had a father wound? Yes, absolutely. Like your whole life, you felt like that. From how old? What was the earliest age you think you remember going? Uh, something's missing there. Mm, from the very beginning, your earliest did, memories. Because my mom and dad separated mm-hmm. when I was younger, mm-hmm. so he was never like there. Like he would come sometimes, mm-hmm. and we're connected now, but. When you start, things start as a child, yeah. it really affects you throughout your whole life. And oh, I yeah. didn't understand. So now I can look back and be like, oh, okay, that is really what caused a lot of my trauma and hurt is mm-hmm. feeling like I really needed someone there. Mm-hmm. And so now when I look at God, I'm like, okay, this is really my father. Like I can talk to him about anything. Mm-hmm. And he's there for me when I feel like no one else is or when 
yeah. someone doesn't pick up the phone, like, okay, I should have just talked to him first anyway. Yeah. It's such a big wound, though. And we talked about, uh, were you there when I did, we did that podcast? Girl, listen, it doesn't go away. No. It is like, all, and that is one of the hardest things, I think, for us to understand as Christians, how necessary it is for us to see God as Father. Like, we see him as God, as provider, yeah. all these faraway big things. But that father thing, like, to know that he protects us in a personal way, mm-hmm. that he cares for us, that he says, you're loved, you're affirmed, I see you. Like, all the stuff that, mm-hmm. that a father is supposed to say, that that can that shifts everything when you right. when you really see him in that personal in that personal way. So when that relationship began to shift and you started to see him differently, how did that show up in your life as far as your decisions and choices everything. and all that? Because yeah, everything, everything, because I was obedient to what he said. So mm-hmm. anything he said, I just did it. Yeah, he told me to let go of someone. I let him go, mm-hmm. and I didn't think about the aftermath. Yeah, because you know what? When he, when you see him as a father, and he's telling you not to do something or to go do something, you see it out of love. Yeah, but when you only see him as like this rule restrictive God, you're like. Okay, I, I shouldn't have sex because I'm before I'm married because God says not to, or I don't want to get in trouble, or I don't want to get pregnant, or I just don't whatever, or I should do this, or I should be nice, right. I should tithe because I, you just see it as a list of stuff to do. But it's different when your father is saying don't right. do that. You're like you know what, I don't I may not fully understand it, but I, that's coming from love. But if you if we listen, if you never had a person a father who made you do hard things and it was connected to love, yeah. it becomes so hard to literally obey God and to love him with a genuine love because everything feels oppressive. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a dad who was like, you have a curfew. I knew I knew that coming off from curfew, even though I didn't like it, it wasn't because my dad needed me home at 10. It's because he <laughs> loved me. He's like, no, this is for your good. Right. But it takes a long time if you didn't grow up with that. And I grew up with it and I still got issues. None of us are perfect. But that takes a long time to connect discipline and um, guidance, um, consequences, things that might not feel positive to connect them to love if you did not have a healthy father figure. Because then you will always disconnect them. And when yeah. God tries to guide or give you discipline, you're like, he must not love me. Or mm-hmm. that that's just a big connection that we have to work really hard to make. And so then you're able to say, yes, okay, I'm gonna let that go because I know why God is telling me this because he loves me. Right. Yeah. And, and discipline is freedom. Girl, and- that's a shirt. <laughs> discipline people are like what discipline is freedom yeah what makes you say that though i say that because it took a lot for me to have discipline to seek him every day to wake up in the morning and read my word first to ask him before i do something to think about um just the way that i'm presenting myself the way that i'm carrying myself Mm -hmm. and bringing people to the kingdom like that takes discipline to do yeah but when you start to master that discipline it creates freedom in your life because Mm. you wake up you read the word you have mental peace throughout the day if i wake up and i don't read the word even if it's five minutes even if it's three sentences Mm -hmm. like if i don't do that i'm struggling in my day like i'm having anxiety i'm not at mental peace at all like I feel very uneasy about things Mm -hmm. Uh, I feel um, emotional and decision overload Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's like it just starts your day off the way that it should go which is in his word which allows the Holy Spirit to really flow through you and allow you to move like 
where he's guiding you instead of my own path. And I and I notice I start to make my own decisions. Oh yes, you do. Because <laughs> we got some decisions. She's like, yo, oh, Lord, I think I know how this should go. That that discipline is freedom. Girl, that's that's a whole sermon right there. And I think it requires uh there's a dependence that because of all the things that have happened in your life, mm-hmm. you were very comfortable with a dependence on God. And man, when we are independent and we think we can do it. We're like, I'm good, God. I mean, I might check yeah. in with you sometimes, but sometimes I'm just yeah. good. If you don't realize, like, I'm not good ever yeah. unless I'm checking in with God. That That's what really drives the discipline. Otherwise, just a set of rules. Right. But you have a dependence that's like, this is not optional. Yeah, I can do nothing without God. This is not optional. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. So how have you seen him show up now? Like, you, oh I know God. in your giftedness, in your career, in your faith moves. What what does it look like now? This this new level of surrender. Now it looks like continued blessings when I don't deserve it. Yeah. Even if I make a mistake, he forgives me. Mm-hmm. And I know that a lot of times the thing that people think will distance them from God is the thing that will get you closer to God mm-hmm. if you just bring it to Him. Yeah. And so once I realized That's that, good. that just allowed me to continue walking in the purpose and the path that he has me, mm-hmm. which one is the podcast that I have, Best yeah, Believe. Best I'm Believe, you better thankful. check it out. <laughs> um, and as far as my spiritual gifts, like I've figured out, like I get visions. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of gifts that I have that I never even knew that I had. Mm-hmm. Like to some people that may seem crazy, mm-hmm. and I thought it was crazy, I'm yeah. like, there's no way. <laughs> Yeah. But I'm you like, know me? what? The the birth of the gift of vision was the reason why you saw the demonic activity in your life. Because yep. a lot of us deal with demonic activity, but we don't we don't have the spiritual discernment to see it. Mm-hmm. We just think, oh, it's a person or it's a bad day. You're like, mm-mm. That was already being birthed in you, mm-hmm. but God couldn't unleash that until you surrendered. And so now he can use it in a safe and trusted way because you have a dependence on him. Right. I think it's beautiful. It's beautiful, but Scary it's, too. it's tough. It's <laughs> yeah. tough sometimes. I absolutely love it, actually. But it's tough because the vision shows me so much into the future mm-hmm. that it's like, okay, I still need to keep my feet present where they are. Mm. So how can I find this balance between mm-hmm. what I know is supposed to be mm-hmm. and what I currently see? And that's just faith. Yeah, that's good, girl. So how are you? Do you... What are you doing now as far as influencing your peers? I know you got the podcast. Um, do you do mentoring, discipleship? What What does that look like? Because, girl, you got a lot in you. <laughs> you do. I, I, it's like an old soul, like old spiritual soul. <laughs> like you've been through a lot. And so yeah. there's that. I just know that people's path, it's always it's for us, it's for us, but it's always for others. Like there's mm-hmm. people who need that rawness because they probably have life stories that if they said it out loud, people would be like, "What? That's mm-hmm. crazy!" And you're right. like, "Yes, I believe you." Yes. You know. So, yeah. are you, do you do discipleship, mentoring, yes, anything like that? I do discipleship. I do one-on-one mentoring. I also hands-on. If I'm at the store mm-hmm. and I see you and I get told to go up to you and talk to you, I talk to you. You that one? Like you don't know me, but God told me. To say- Look, I just I just go up to them and I pray for them or whatever the case be. But at first I was really hard because I was scared and I was terrified. And I, the first time I ever was told to go do something, I was in the middle of a workout and God's like, you need to go to this coffee shop. You're going to be looking for this person with red hair and you're going to tell them this. And I'm like, did I just make that up in my head? Yeah. But I just went anyway. And How was it the first time? <laughs> it was scary. What did the person say? 
She was just like surprised. Uh, like what? She okay. Was, but when I first got there, I didn't see her. So I was like, oh, this was a test. And then I sat there, worked for a little bit. And then I was like, all right, I'm leaving. And on my way out, I saw her. And I was like, oh. So I went to my car, actually. I was like, I'm not doing it. Mm-hmm. And then the Holy Spirit was like, no, nah, you're not leaving. So then I went back in and I went up to her and I said, hey, like, what's your name? I just really wanted to come say hi. Like, I'm Michaela. Mm-hmm. Uh, and God wanted me to tell you this. But I didn't tell her that until I asked her, like, is there anything I can pray for you for? Mm-hmm. And she said something about her dad. And I said, what can I pray for you about? Mm-hmm. And then she said she was going through some, like, abuse, like, ending with somebody. Mm. And I was like, oh, in my head, I'm like, oh, this is why This you is have... why, right. <laughs> yeah. So then I told her what God said, that he Girl. loved her and that he wants all of her and all of that. And Girl, what did she do? She was just, she cried and I prayed and Okay, so connected. isn't that, okay, we about to be done. But isn't that the best feeling when you're like, I obeyed God? Oh my God, there's a person who I never would have known to go up to. How would I know this person? And God loved that person so much. He loved me. I obeyed and somebody's life got changed. Mm -hmm. There's no feeling like that. No feeling. It's the best. It's the best. Yeah. So listen, y'all, whether you got gifts of visions and dreams or (laughs) God is just asking you to step out in faith, maybe you write, maybe you draw, maybe you program programs, whatever you do. Man, when God says go do it, that obedience, that divine yes, it is good for your relationship with him. But that is the way we change lives. Michaela, thank you so much for being with us. This is like just the the tip of the iceberg. But, man, I'm so thrilled that Mm -hmm. you at 26 have lived all this life and it has been nothing but turned into love and purpose and intentionality for God. And I'm excited to see what the future holds. Thank you so much. Yeah, I appreciate it. <laughs> so I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, make sure leave a comment, leave a review, share, subscribe, all the things, and we'll catch you next time.